This is A Sound Purchase, a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. Episode 28. Vibraslap, Automobiles, Innuendo, and Cake's 1996 release, Fashion Nugget. Jake. Hello. Hello there. I just uh, General Kenobi. Yeah, thank you, thank you. There you go. Right, well then. Snap talk. There we go. <laughs> straight, straight in. <laughs> <laughs> no preamble today, folks. We're just going right into it. Okay. Well, I got a bit of preamble. I mean, we're a bit late Ooh. now. But have you finished Wonder Vision? Wonder, Wonder Vision, Wonder Vision, Wonder, Wonder Vision. Um, the re- surviving Chuckle Brother. Wasn't the cameo that everyone was expecting? No, that Paul Bettany wanted to work. With. I love the fact that it was Paul Bettany, an actor he's always wanted to work with, and it was himself. I know, I beautiful, know. Tr- beautiful, well done, Paul. Because uh, I, I was going through it and thinking, like, <laughs> oh, it must be, it must be this person. Oh no, he's worked with him before. Okay, well, it must be this person. You know, no, it's just Paul Bettany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, it was good. What a legend. It was good. A lot of people like it didn't live up to uh, the hype that they'd built up in their head, but I thought it was really, really good. It's got some top quality memes though for going into Falcon and Winter sh- uh, Soldier, not shoulder. Winter, so- Winter, Winter Soldier. Shoulder. Winter Shoulder. Do you mean to say Mephisto and Winter Mephisto? No, Winter Mephisto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that made me laugh. Yeah. Every everyone has to be Mephisto. Yeah. And they're all played by Don Cheadle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why not? Why not? Well, you know. Yeah. Okay, well that's good. I, I I enjoyed it. I thought the the ending and this happens quite a lot just didn't quite stick it. There were some beautiful moments, but I don't know. I just expected it to end a little bit different than it did. Oh, that's fair. But I think it's it's had to end in such a way it could set up a lot of different yeah. things yeah. as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Well anyway. Let's talk about some music. Okay. We are here to talk about cakes. 1996 release, Fashion Nugget. Some context, Jake. It was recorded in Sacramento, California. It's been certified platinum. 14 songs have been featured in forms of media ever since. It's actually quite a popular album in terms of television and featuring in films and so on. Mm. The band at the time were John McRae, lead vocals, acoustic guitar, keyboards, and I believe he is our resident vibra-slappist. I think he is. I've seen a few clips of them live, yeah. and he is the uh... the vibra slappist. Greg Brown plays electric guitar and keyboards. Vincent Di Fiore, uh, I hope I said that right, was trumpet and percussion. Victor Damiani, Damiani. Oh. I don't know. I'm struggling with these a little bit. But we'll roll with it. He is the bass player. And Todd Roper on drums and percussion. There is a guest spot with Greg Vincent playing pedal steel guitar on She'll Come Back to Me. So we've covered a lot of 90s alternative kind of records so far, or it seems that way anyway. We've done a few. You know, I mean, but that's that's kind of our, our comfort zone, isn't it, really? 90s alt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I suppose it yeah. is, yeah. Uh, we'll be doing some more next week. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> and we'll be bringing up a couple of these previous episodes that we've been doing today. I've, I've got quite a few notes about it. But however, this is not your average 90s alternative record as the songs contain a real mixture of trumpet, 
West Coast kind of hip-hop whistle synthesizers, Dr. Dre style, over-the-top funky bass, country rock guitar. I think this record really, Jake, redefines the word alternative, don't you think? I think it was one of the first ones moving into like uh, that Eels style of alternative rock that we we got kind of in the early 2000s, definitely. Mm. Yeah, so a bit of a departure from just the big fuzzy guitars and things like that and the, you know, big soundscapes and mm. put a lot more emphasis back into, you know, songwriting. And as you say, with the instrumentation, it, it's, yeah, certainly paved the way for that sort of thing, for sure. Well, I, I tend to think of their music as Tex-Mex because they, they have a mixture of the kind of country and blues of like a, a city kind of like Austin, Texas, but they've also got that kind of hint of mariachi through the trumpet playing because mm. it's not necessarily straight up jazz playing. It's It's got a bit of a, a spice to it, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of lot of it muted as well, isn't there? Yeah, it's great. When I think of the band and their sound, images brought to my mind are hot days, desert, and actually Mexican cuisine. So there you go. <laughs> um, I don't know why, but it, it is, yeah. All of you budding therapists, actually, yeah, you can break that down if you want. I'm, I'm probably all right just leaving that as it is. Fashion Nugget is the album for all moods. It's dark, it's aggressive, it's full of heartbreak, depression, and cowboys. Frontman John McRae's Wikipedia page, the best place for all information, dissects his vocal style as having a distinctive rough-around-the-edges quality, which is especially evident when he sings in the lower part of his vocal range. He is also known for half-singing, half-speaking lyrics in many of his songs, sometimes in a kind of energetic monotone, such as the hits The Distance and Never There. Change my page. McRae <laughs> also commonly sings with offbeat rhythms and emphasises the consonants and words instead of the vowels. The single Perhaps, Perhaps, Perhaps is a good example of this. Good points to look out for, Jake. Very good points to look out for. I was going to say, going back maybe 30 seconds, get a music stand. I've got one, You know, from the music stand. No, I do, but, you know, I'm still going to have to rifle through them, aren't I? Yeah, but, you know, do it like a concert concert pianist. (laughs) Whilst we're on the subject of McRae, I've also viewed his lyrics as more of an abstract exercise in setting a scene. There is no linear story. They're kind of more observational and... Perhaps I don't quite get them yet. That was that was awful. Absolutely awful. Well done. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Shall we take a listen then, Jake? Let's do it. So let's talk about some music. Brilliant. The opening track is Frank Sinatra. It sets the mood for this record, don't you think, Jake? Yes. Yes, it does. It's mm. very this record. <laughs> yeah. Very cake. Very yeah. cake. Yeah. Well, perhaps it's the synths in the background, but I always think of like alien hunters in New Mexico in the desert trying to like search out the UFOs when I hear this track. Really? Yeah. Just always like, I don't know, just, you know, Roswell, that sort of thing. Well, just those background, really high pitched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tinny, tinny sort of things yeah. that they've got going on. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Many associate this track with organised crime. 
largely due to its use within the Sopranos episode, The Legend of Tennessee Moltisante. I got a super fly sunburst Apple Funk Casino, man. <laughs> that was little Steven Van Zandt who played Silvio on there. So a few few things to pick out, Jake, from the lyrics. Oh, yes, boy, is there a lot of things that people have picked out from these <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> uh, I just want to bring up, first of all, ancient radiation is a reference to cosmic background radiation, which was a big point, talking point in WandaVision. Hello. Ooh, it all comes full we'll circle. Back to the beginning conversation. Yeah. Ooh, like a pro. Hey. Ah, yeah. um, stormy weather is a reference to an island and... Cola song that was famously covered by the chairman of the board, Mr. Frank Sinatra. Oh, I thought you were going to say the notorious B.I.G. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. If he had done a cover of Stormy Weather, that would be awesome. <laughs> this reference roots the world in a noir setting, as well as the image of a skipping record covered in cobwebs. In 1996, when the album was released, the platform of a vinyl record was seen as pretty much the most outdated experience. Compact discs or CDs, children, were the new height of the high-fidelity experience. Again, just watched that film recently, loved it. Not long after, though, around the time most school-aged children were born, CDs actually were being tossed out in favour of digital platforms that we know today. So mm. most of the kids that I'm teaching at the moment haven't actually held a CD in their hand, which is a little scary. Well, I know a few people who uh, wasted a lot of money on mini disc players. Oh, mini disc, maybe two yeah. or three years before the iPod came out. Yeah, and uh, completely destroyed that industry. Yeah, because they weren't they weren't cheap. No, they were not cheap. <laughs> the downside, though, sorry, one good thing that hipsters have done, Jake, aside from bringing back the moustache and coffee, was bring the vinyl record back. 2020 was the first year since 1986 that vinyl outsold CDs. The downside is now that vinyl is back in fashion, it's really expensive to buy. Yeah, all the good stuff is gone from the charity shops. Yeah, exactly. It's it's impossible. I remember shopping with Chloe, your wife, and picking Band on the Run for less than five pounds, actually. (laughs) Not that long ago, I'll have you know, as well. She found Peter Gabriel's Don't Give Up 12-inch, and, well, she, no matter how much I begged and pleaded, she refused to give it up. I'll never forgive her for that, so... I don't think she's got it anymore. No, I'm joking. Of course she does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. That would have been perfect. That would have been perfect for like a... Uh... Oh, good for you! <laughs> <laughs> Christian Bell having a bit of a... Having a bit of a whinge. Okay. <laughs> My new favourite <laughs> website, Jake. I've got a new favourite website. I think Genius.com has actually been... It's uh... been letting us down the last... Yeah. The last... 10 episodes. Oh, we've it's done pretty good thing. actually. I've got quite a bit from there today, but my new my new favorite website is lyricinterpretations.com. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's the new sponsor baby. That's where because people, you don't have to go through it paragraph by lyric by lyric. Yeah, people yeah, just yeah. post what they think it is at the bottom and then you yeah. can pretend their ideas are your own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much what I've written. It allows you to, to submit your interpretation and vote on the best interpretation. It's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so we've said it before on this very podcast, 
that songs are at their best when they can be interpreted in a variety of ways. Have we? Apparently. Okay. That's what my notes tell me. I know, that seems awfully open-minded of us. Yeah. It doesn't sound like us at all. I think I was supposed to actually put some of the interpretations in there, but didn't. But you've not. So, (laughs) (laughs) it's okay. (laughs) Let's carry on. So, Frank Sinatra. Mm. The intro features a cool syncopated drumstick rhythm alongside a warbly staccato organ riff. And midway through that riff, the drums kick in to form a creative drum pattern, actually. The organ suddenly stops and makes way for an inverted pedal note and some more of our favourite 90s megaphone radio vocals. In the second part of the refrain, we have the guitar and bass enter. This is the most probably reserved bass playing on the record, with long-held semi-breathed root notes, which basically means he's, he's just not playing that much, and he's really holding it in, because <laughs> this guy, as awesome as he is, loves to play the bass, and he wants he everybody in the world to know. He does love to play know. the bass. Which is fair uh, enough. He's very good at it. Uh, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guitar does a tweedly riff, before playing big drawn out chords. This is the first time, Jake, that we hear the what I've dubbed the cake guitar tone that is featured a lot on this record. Mm. Yeah, we get that a lot. Is there a song we don't get that sound in? No, and we'll, we'll come to this because I know I was, I was a bit uh, harsh on the Brothers Gibb the last episode where I kept talking about the fact that they just used the same signature long fade. Yeah. Because basically all of their songs are following the same pattern or they have yeah. that same guitar sound. It wouldn't surprise me if they just got a sound, then recorded the entire album so they didn't lose the sound. Maybe. It's like, right, we've done a song, next song, done a song, next song, right, we've got that sound done. Yeah. Save those settings for the next album. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? So this is this is a really big album for me. My folks had this on CD. Remember those kids, compact discs. And we listened to this an awful lot. But I actually think I prefer other Cake albums, like the one with uh, Love You Madly on it. Comfort, it's Comfort Eagle. Eagle. Yeah, I prefer that album because it's actually a bit better produced. <laughs> Like, there's a bit of sheen on it. This one is a bit rough and ready. Mm. And whilst that's really good, the band have produced this themselves, which I used to think was a really good idea. But I'm the more episodes of this that we're doing, I'm coming to realise that actually sometimes you really need someone to stand there and say, I don't know if that's a great idea. I think we should move on. Yeah. Someone who's not got the attachment to the song necessarily or to a part or something like that, or to a sound. Or... Exactly, exactly. And that's going to come up quite a bit throughout <laughs> this episode and it probably should have come up quite a bit on Sparkle Horse too, just to just to tease that one again. Well, he that was co-produced. He didn't produce that himself. He spent 12 hours, Jake. Well, he spent about 12 years, didn't he, doing that train? <laughs> yep. 12, 12 um, years of train. A new yeah. uh, major motion picture. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. Okay. Moving swiftly on from that before we get any sort of lawsuits. 
There is a classic muted trumpet, again, a familiar trope of the noir film, mainly thanks to Miles Davis, who was scoring noir films. He he and a band would sit in the studio and live score a lot of the noir kind of soundtracks. I did not know that. They did it in completely impromptu. That's very so, cool. Let's hear the trumpet. Very cool. The megaphone voice disappears and makes way for the full body voice at the end of that clip if you, uh, that you just heard there. Within the verse, McRae talks about an old man collecting stamps. And the way that he says old man is so lazy and slurry. An old man sits collecting stamps. It's almost like he, he's bouncing from the notes. And that's actually a vocal technique that Frank Sinatra became really famous for when he was mimicking the sliding slurs of band leader Jack Dorsey's trombone in the 1940s. Very cool. And then I want to bring up, McRae also manages to sound like Forrest Gump when he says rich. (laughs) And I can't get this out of my head, right? Listen to when he says rich. He'll be rich, son. Rich. That's good. One less thing. (laughs) After the refrain, the instrumentalists break off into what I am hesitant to call a solo, but by Cake's anti-establishment kind of standards, it is a solo. Yeah, it's the old, I've just learned to tremolo pick and I haven't got quite quite got it down yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's what it sounds like if I try and do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I put, the guitar does some rapid Nels Klein inspired tremolo picking. There uh, you go. Yeah. Whilst the trumpet is layered twice to hold the listener's attention. But yeah, speaking of noir, we still need to write that noir film with Shakes O'Leary. <laughs> Jake's gangster name, Shakes O'Leary. I thought it was a little gunslinger. Oh no, that's my gang. That's my rapper name, <laughs> Little Gunslinger. But it's like slinger with an A at the end. Oh yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I know I can't really rap, so I guess I'd take more of a Dre sort of role. I'd do the producing side of it. Well, you so just got to sling the guns, man. That's all you need to do. You bring, you bring like the criminal aspect to it. You know, you're bringing the gangster side. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like it's uh, like white collar crime. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so after the solo, the texture breaks down to simply that cake guitar and vocals, with the bass and drums doing that awesome thing that we talk about quite a lot, Jake, where they re-enter after one phrase, so they don't wait a full cycle. No abomination, radiation that hearts dis. I really like that. It's such a cool composition to the device. Mm. Yeah. The ending of this song features a mix match of everybody doing their thing. McRae is doing some rawhide hyas. The guitar is layered with one playing a low riff that glues the section together and the other playing like a circular motif up high. The trumpets are layered into more of a brass section than a solo trumpet. This is a long clip, Jake. I'm warning you now before you complain. <laughs> but I'm going to leave it in here as it's a really good example of layering motifs and ideas and even forming a bit of a polyphonic texture because of the interweaving. Before you start it, is this the going out for the full BG's fade as well? 
This is the Bee Gees fade, I think, yeah. Okay, lovely. I, I may have cut it short because I didn't want to wait too long, but yeah. was the Bee Gees fade. Mm. But mm. excellent layering. I, I just didn't know when to cut that one because every time they go through a full cycle, they've added something new and it's like, oh, yeah, but that one's really good too. Well, we could just have a long clip in there. It's fine. Yeah. You know, it's fine. And if we get demonetized, I'm blaming you. Okay. Not that we're making any money. Anyway, you got notes. Yeah. I mean, you've gone pretty in-depth with it all on there. The only thing I've, I've kind of got to mention... Obviously, the whole thing is very lo-fi, apart from the bass, for some reason. The bass <laughs> really like shines through. Yeah. Really, really clear and quite quite high-quality audio for it. But I kind of think that that works in its favour because the drums are quite lo-fi and they've, they've not got a lot of low end to them. Mm. The bass can just be really low and thumpy. Well, it's not thumpy, but it can be low and, you know, you can roll the tone off and stuff like that without it interfering in the same way that it would do. Mm. Oh, can I can I interject there? Sure. I think this was the only album that that bass player actually played on. I don't think oh. he was in the band very long after this album came out. So perhaps, perhaps, perhaps he was like, "No, I'm, I don't want the lo-fi. I want my bass front and center." Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know it kind of stood his ground. I spent twelve hours <laughs> recording my bass. I want it to sound good. I restrung my bass. <laughs> That cost me $15. Do you see these blisters? <laughs> no. Yes. Okay, yeah. the next song is The Distance. This was the main single for the record and arguably the band's most commercially successful track. Whilst I think this decision of releasing this kind of gave the band widespread appeal, it almost painted a false impression of the band as many who purchased the record kind of expected the album to be full of rocking bangers. Genius.com, friends of the show, old, old, old friends of the show, been with us from the start, yeah. Mm. They state the following about this song. This song is about a man that falls madly in love with a woman and convinces himself that he has to be successful to win her affection. She once loved him in return, but he devotes himself to material success for so long in order to get her that he loses... (laughs) God damn, I can't keep up the character. In order to get her that he loses sight of the woman herself and winds up alone, pushing towards success with long hours. Fair enough. That's not what I took away from it, but hey. (laughs) (laughs) They also state, in the end... She just wanted someone to care for her, while he was more concerned with proving himself than making her happy. They don't talk about her much. How do they know what she wants? Well, 
these days we shouldn't be making the assumptions, should we? Well, they're, they're, what they're doing there is they're taking, you know, how they feel about the situation and transposing it to her. Mm. Rubbish. Rubbish. <laughs> that would have got downvoted on uh, the no, new sponsor. That I know the name of. Totally. Lyricinterpretations.com. Lyricinterpretations.com. Sponsors of the show. <laughs> Notgenius.com. Yeah. <laughs> Notgenius.com. Okay, so I think I first heard this song very shortly after witnessing my first demolition derby. So it's really nice. rooted that idea of like the speedway, kind of, you know, the dirt track speedway in my mind. You don't, well, do you have them over here? No, I, I don't think so. No. I've certainly never seen them like, do you mean like a uh, like a monster truck sort of thing or do you mean an actual full on? No, just like an actual, you've all got banged up cars and you bang them into each other. Do you have a, like a proper... Yeah. As far as I know, no. Okay. But that's not really my scene, so... What do you mean? Maybe there is. You got I a moustache, you got, you got a plaid shirt on, all you're missing yeah. is the truck. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, I need a string vest as well. <laughs> Bad time to take a drink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So, we begin the song with a monophonic monotone. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Brilliant. Can you think of any other songs that just begin with only vocals like that? You've got one lined up, haven't you? I haven't. Uh, well, I, I've got one listed, The Crystal Ship by the Doors, but then I was actually just wondering now, Party Hard, does that count? Well, that's that's a robot voice. I don't know if it does count. Oh, I know. Oh, oh fuck it. What's that Offspring song? Got pretty Fly like from the a most White popular Guy. One. Yeah, that one. Yeah. All right, fair I'm enough. I'm pretty sure that starts with... Uh, well, it's not really a monotone thing. It's it's just like someone saying weird yeah. stuff. There you go. That's one. Well, there, there we go. We are joined then by a thumping and pumping bass, creating even more tension. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. He's having a great time, that bass player. I can't remember what his name was. Was it Vincent or was that the trumpet player? That was one of them. Yeah. Victor. There we go. Victor. 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 When I was writing out the notes for this, I was saying, I have to refer to the players as their names because otherwise it's just going to be me talking about John McRae the whole time. (laughs) <laughs> and, and the they're not player. mentioning anyone else by their name. Yeah. Okay. So Victor's having a great time there. The drums and guitar enter. The drums play this halftime groove whilst the guitar is doing some kind of double stopping. It's quite cool what the guitar plays. The cup, they deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. And he's he's got a lot of good parts in this song. Yeah, he's, he's got, got a lot, lot of good of parts. Good full lines. stop on the on the on the entire album. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I did exactly what I just said I was trying not to do. That was Greg Brown playing the guitar and Todd Roper playing the drums. There we go. The entire verse vocal remains at that same pitch. There are some inflections, but there's no real melodic shift, which means the vocals kind of serve as a pedal note and kind of they they then create even more tension because of that. The trumpets enter, adding a bit of a somber note. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up And long ago somebody left with Almost a sense of hopelessness, wouldn't you say? Hmm. Hmm. I suppose I could say that. Good. 
The chorus features a driving guitar line with some awesome tone and amazing trumpet cycles. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. All alone. Do like it. Do like it. Mm-hmm. The second half of the chorus sees the guitar line develop into a really kind of creative riff. It's a lot of fun to play, actually. And there's also a West Coast whistle synth and some ah backing vocals. The whistle synth is once again a very uh, a very cake thing yeah. to me. Well, it's and again that's kind of part of that Tex-Mex for me in a way, like the California kind of urban California sound. Mm. I really like it, yeah. The reintro sees the galloping guitar return and the drums come thundering back in, guided by a, another rawhide. Yeah. yeah! I'm beginning to think the amount of times I've had to program that rawhide sting that they watch the Blues Brothers like immediately before <laughs> recording all of these songs. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame them. Yeah, well, why not? <laughs> Great film. <laughs> Side note: I still love the fact that you're like, if uh, in in one of those bonus episodes in the top ten film soundtracks, you're like, if I come home and my wife is watching the Blues Brothers, I know there's been a family grievance. <laughs> 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 Just that tickles me. Yeah. The go-to film for grieving people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's comforting. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't got anything else to say about that one. Uh, No, neither do I really. I'd actually quite like to hear release like an instrumental version of it for other people to do their own thing over. So I think Ghostface Killer would do some fucking great stuff with with this backing track, (laughs) just as an example. Yeah. But yeah, it sounds... All right, I guess, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. That sounds, it's, it's really good. Again, not much to add. You've, you've covered all of the, the big stuff. Yeah, pretty much. We'll round pretty that one much. out then. The third track is Friend is a Four-Letter Word. Oh, the dreaded friend zone, Jake. And I see, I don't like this song and I skipped it every time. I don't think I've listened through to it once, the entire time once. I think it's that guitar sound. Is it like a resonator or something? It just sounds really weird and synthetic almost. I don't like it. Yeah, I think I think it is a like a... National yeah. Resonator or something. Awful guitars. For those that don't know, that's the cover of the Dire Straits album, Brothers in Arms, the metal guitar. No one should own them. They should be melted down. Oh, they're lovely. And, the, oh, they're nice. and then thrown into the ocean. <laughs> As liquid metal or just just? I mean, it, it was the 90s, so we'll go liquid metal. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the thing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not much more to say about this one. 
Also, friend zone. I'm not sure I like the whole friend zone, the, the, the concept of it. It's very demeaning almost. Like the whole fr- concept of it is just very, what's the words I'm trying to say? It kind of, so the friend zone kind of implies that women are only, their friendship and companionship isn't good enough by itself without something else there. You know, not a great concept. It tends to be, yeah, because we we don't like feelings, Jake. That's the thing, right? When we put our feelings out there and they're not reciprocated, we don't like that. We're just not emotionally stable enough for it, okay? <laughs> anyway, we've all been there anyway where we've had feelings for people and they haven't necessarily had the same feelings back. I personally really like the lyric, end is the only part of the word that I heard. End. As I played that clip, I just realised that you've shot down most of my <laughs> most of my notes here for this song because <laughs> I was I was coming at it from a very deep level, and you've kind of just rightfully, yeah, put a stop to all of that. So sorry, yeah. no, it's all right. I'll skip through, skipping through, skipping through. <laughs> okay, well, as an English teacher, Jake, I am frankly ashamed of myself that I've sat for too long trying to decipher what the four-letter word was that they meant. And that was my only other note, actually. So I've got it written down. Friend is a four-letter word. So the way I have my notes, I have the name of the song, and then I start my notes. And the very first note I have is, no, it isn't. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and I just think, wait, what? End. Even if you're hearing just end, that's a three-letter word. So... I know, that's what I mean. I, I had to look it up on old sponsor, songfacts.com, where they said the resulting heartbreak makes him think of the word friend as dirty and cruel, similar to many vulgar four-letter words in the English language. Yeah, yeah, okay, that checks out. Yeah. 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 One one Feck. such word. Arse. With, a, with an R. Okay. Either way, I think that's actually quite an excellent little play on words. It's like swearing without actually swearing. But is it a little bit too cryptic? Because Possibly, but I like that. I like that. And we're going to talk about swearing in songs a little bit later on. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So the track begins with like a House of the Rising Sun styled arpeggios on a resonator guitar. <laughs> The voice enters, and unlike previous monotonous performances, McRae's voice actually sounds a little bit lyrical on this one. To me, coming from you, friend is a four-letter word. It's almost that, like I said at the beginning, kind of half singing, half talking. He's like, he's just dipping his toe into the kind of into melody, but still kind of a little bit hesitant which is pretty much his style, which is okay. As the band enter, we have, a, again, a very subdued bass and drums, a bright organ and a harmony vocal. The harmony vocals in this sound really good. Me, coming from you. Friend is a four-letter word. 
no one else is listed as vocals on the band sheet. So I'm wondering if... Oh, he probably just did his own backing. Well, I'm wondering if he did and that the difference between those two voices is quite stark, right? Uh, yeah, but... I think can, it's quite cool. You could, yeah, it's quite cool. Sounds I like suppose. a completely different person. You know, it's quite effective for backing vocals. Anyway, shortly after the band enter, we're treated to a grungy guitar riff. That's very Jake. Is it? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. It gets better though. The band open up and break the riff open with a ride cymbal and trumpet. In the second verse, the electric guitar plays a counter melody under the vocals. And then immediately after the guitar's cycle is done, the organ picks it up, which is a form of musical imitation. There's a key change in the bridge, or an implied key change. I think they're still using the same key, but they've just changed their kind of their tonic home. When I go fishing I think McRae's vocals really sound great there. That kind of hits that key. It's like when we were talking to Sam from the Phoenix Foundation about how different keys on paper, you play it the same, but it unlocks different sounds in your voice. That really mm. suits his voice, that key there. And, well, I've, I'm pretty much at the end. Do you got any notes for that one? Only what I've said about not liking it. Okay. <laughs> Did I change your mind at all? Uh, no. Okay. Good, <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> okay, so then we finish with another raucous ending, and you're starting to see the trend happening here. Many layers, as well as our hooping and hollering. <laughs> and here we go. That's always been one of my favourites on the album. Fair enough. <laughs> I've always just, maybe not lyrically, but definitely the uh, the energy in there. Okay, the next song, track number four, is Open Book. Another complicated relationship song, this one. She wants to open up to the narrator and the narrator is unsure of how to reciprocate. Genius.com interprets Open Book within the school setting. I can confirm that whilst you would think that an open book test makes it easier on the students, more often than not, it hinders their performance. They spend more time searching through the pages than actually answering the questions. 
True. Fair enough. McRae's lyrics use metaphors to compare the narrator's closed personality to a window. The track begins with a weird guitar figure that is metrically ambiguous. You only get a sense of the groove as it develops. Once the band settles into the groove, there's a wickedly creative guitar riff. Really like that with the syncopated bass Mm. as well. As the voice enters, the texture drops with the guitar playing a double-stopped figure and a little bass with McRae's characteristic vocals. She's writing, she's writing, she's writing a novel. She's writing, she's weaving, conceiving a plot. I'm beginning to think that maybe this, the bass player, Victor, the bass player, there we go, name, is uh, spending a lot of time listening to Flea. I got some Chili Peppers vibes from some of it, yeah. Mm. I can see that. And then Greg Brown, the guitarist, is kind of taking notes from John Frusciante's of like, I'm just going to play even less to allow the bass to play more. Do its thing, yeah. Yeah. There are three layers of guitars happening throughout the verse, and it's quite clearly in a minor tonality. Should have got a sting of hallelujah, but the chorus has a major lift. After the chorus, there is a small trumpet solo by Di Fiore. You know, Jake, I've wanted to play the trumpet for a long, long time. It's true, he has. Yeah. Mainly because of Cake and all the trumpet that they have, but also because of friends of the show. The Fun Loving Criminals. Um, Their application of trumpet both bands is so smooth and just not in your face. I really, really like it and respond to that. student asked me two years ago, 2019, if I could teach him how to play trumpet because he wanted to learn it for his cadets. But anyway, I I didn't know, so we wound up both getting trumpets and I started fulfilling a lifelong dream, Jake. Oh, nice. Then COVID hit and I haven't touched my trumpet since. (laughs) Way Okay. Yeah, oh, sorry. That story finishes even more sad. The students actually started to get proper lessons and has rapidly overtaken me. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? The student Uh, becomes the master. Hey, wax on, wax off. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I want to point out the BVs are slightly rhythmically different to the main vocals. It's a subtle technique that they do quite a lot, but I really like it. really like that. And I love the do yous at the end. They, they always sound so awkward. Yeah, yeah. After the second chorus, Brown takes an energetic guitar solo. 
And that's pretty much my notes, Jake. You got anything to add on that one? A couple of bits. Yeah. That guitar sound. Yeah. Black Books. Like, so that could easily have been like the uh, Black Books theme. Okay. Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed that it wasn't. The only other thing I've got to add onto there is actually back going back to the bass. And you actually played what I was about to say when you were talking about the minor sounding stuff going yeah. on. The bass does a really cool thing where it kind of maybe a little bit creates not really tension by pretending that it's staying on the same thing while the vocals ascend. But actually, it sneaks in a little nice little uh, matching note for the ascension right at the beginning of the phrase before going back to just playing the same thing underneath. So well, let's, let's hear that, shall we? Almost creates tension, but not quite. Okay, so actually your clip cuts out just before it starts doing it annoyingly. But right, right, right. Do you know what I mean? You know I, the bit I, know I mean, what you right? Mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It changes changes the harmonic pattern. Yeah, but at the same time, it still follows it, yeah. which is really quite cool. Actually, I've not actually seen anyone else do that. Heard anyone else do not that I've noticed anyway. Normally, you either follow it or you stay on note to create the tension. You don't normally do both. Hats off to Victor. Yeah, good job, Victor. Uh, yeah. You're an all right bass player. Okay, yeah. let's round out open book or let's close the book on open book, if you will. Nice. So the next song is a race car. Yaya's. Oh no, sorry. The next song. No, it's not. There's, yep. the there's next song, another song. The next song is Daria. That's what I said. <laughs> so, admitting. You're short on time if you got somewhere to yeah, be. Sorry, yeah. I'm just excited <laughs> to get to race to car Yaya's, okay? Okay. Admitting to previous indiscretions, the narrator has been rejecting every move of his partner. The similes in the chorus are just fantastic. I really like it. I won't be smoothed over like milk, silk, a bread, a bread spread. <laughs> I'll let a him say spread. it, hey? I'll just let him say it. Smoothed over like milk, silk, a bed spread or a quilt. I sing on a cake or a serene translucent lake. Really like that. Really like that rising pattern. But we'll talk about that mm. in a second. I wonder how much, of, listening to this song in particular, how much of an influence they would have had on someone like Adam Green. I don't know if you're familiar with Adam Green. Okay. Well, or rather, Adam Green is very this. Right. I'm pretty sure this came first. Well, we've got more of that classic guitar tone, that cake guitar tone in the introduction, with a short little piano ostinato. There's some really cool kind of lyrical drumming. You know, I like drumming that kind of represents words in a way. When you tried to kiss me, I only bit your tongue. Do you like that? One of my notes is when I first heard that piano line, I was like, 
they've just taken that from Everything's Ruined. Uh, yeah. But they haven't. I listened to it. It is actually quite different. It's just kind of got that similar pattern to it, I guess, but it's not. Got that similar pattern. Very similar. Hey-o. Hey-o. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, McRae and Patton are mates, though. They seem to be on a very similar wavelength. You think? Well, just like lyrics and so on, yeah. I mean, they're not spot on similar, but they just seem to be on on that same sort of alternative track. That's fair. Yeah. The latter half of the verse features an electric guitar riff. When you tried to tell me the one for me was you. I think Greg Brown is the MVP for this record. I would agree with you on that for yeah, sure. His guitar playing is like so understated, but so good. You know, Just that sound, oh, the sound yeah. throughout the the one sound he got for the album, really yeah. good. But he, uh, he, no, he got two sounds. He got that kind of weird cake sound, but then also I mean, his like driven guitar sound is awesome as well. The rhythm cake sound and the lead cake sound. Exactly. There you uh, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Okay. The chorus once again bursts open, but curiously has a couple of false starts in it. The chorus finally gets some go forward when the ascending riff, and I just love the ascending riff when that happens. Like smooth over like milk, silk, a bedspread or a quilt. I sing on a cake or a serene translucent lake. It even sounds like they've got a bit of flanger going on in the vocals there as well. Uh, yeah, it might even be over the vocals and the guitar. Maybe. It's definitely definitely some flanger going yeah. on there, yeah. The re-intro sounds like the theme, again, of a noir film. Won't be soon. And just indulge me. The rain was coming down, like all the angels in heaven decided to You don't know how much effort that took, actually. <laughs> getting the rain sound in the background, getting the right kind of megaphone sound. But, yeah. That's all I have to say about that. All I've really got to say, because I've kind of, you've, once again, you've, you've been very thorough, Stefan. I've been locked at home. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I was really disappointed that it wasn't the Daria theme. When oh. I saw it, I was like, oh. And then I was like, ah. Oh. It did feature it on Daria, out- didn't it? This came out a year before Daria first aired, mm. fun fact. One of their songs, one of the songs off this album featured on an episode of Daria. Was it Daria? I think it, it was, was probably Daria. Daria. But, yeah, I don't want to be misquoted. Yeah. Well, well, I'll be misquoted. Yeah. Daria featured in the show Daria, which is about a character called Daria, who started off in Beavis and Butthead and then... Moved to Daria. Moved to Daria with no input from the guy who made Beavis and Butthead because he was busy doing King of the Hill, I think, and didn't want to work on Daria, who was a side character in his show Beavis and Butthead, featuring Daria from Daria. Before she moved to Daria. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like we're sponsored by Daria and we get paid every time that we mention Daria. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I could just see my bank balance going up. (laughs) 
<laughs> one penny at a time. Yeah. All right. Shall I round that one out then, Jake? Yeah, go for it. Okay, well, the next song then is Race Car Yaya's. We've made it, Jake. Oh, yes. So what was it with the 90s and micro tracks? I think I think there's still a thing for micro tracks. I think it's just a good thing of, I've got a stupid song. It's not actually a good song, but we've, we've got to put it out there. It's too good not to put it out there. I passed me the syrup. That's how it's that started out. Brendan didn't want to rec- like release it. I was like, we've got to pass me the syrup. Yeah, it's like the it's, best it's thing. Smash it at the ever. summer. It's the best thing you've ever written. Yeah, I've not got many loads uh, thing about this, but all I've got written down is make the baseline super trebly and distorted. Primus, it's a Primus song. Interesting, interesting. Okay, I'm drawing connections to Sparkle Horse on this one. I don't think he spent twelve years dropping spoons for this. Uh, I know where you're Excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) As much as I like this song, I can't help but feel it was added because of this one simile. The land where large, fuzzy dice still hang proudly like testicles from rear view mirrors. And he. Mirrors. Mirrors. (laughs) He spent 12 hours in the library looking through the dictionary to form the most perfect simile that's ever been used and that now has to be a feature in my English lessons when someone says, what's a simile, sir? Wow, sit down. (laughs) Have you heard of mirrors? Do you know what fuzzy dice are, kid? All right, I take it back. Maybe yeah. he did put the work in. That's fair oh, enough. He he put all the work in, and I thank him. I thank <laughs> him for his service because, you know, I wasn't prepared to spend 12 hours in the library forming the most perfect and beautiful simile. But he, he's done it for you. So. He's done it for me, yeah, exactly. But I don't seriously, need though, to. seriously, this is... It's just a Primus song. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've never heard Primus out. until you said that, yeah. It's like... Well, you can't actually just muck about on the bass like like he would normally do. And we've got an actual guitar. But this is the other thing about Primus. Anyone can play guitar for Primus. You can literally just go in and make whatever noises you want. It doesn't matter what you play on the guitar. People are there for Les Claypool and the St. Angus snare sound. There we go. Because once yeah. again, Primus did it first, but Primus <laughs> did it with taste. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, not only did the man spend... 12 hours trying to form the most perfect of similes, which he did. He also had to spend a further 12 hours getting the right elongation on the fuzzy dice. Because <laughs> sometimes he did it a little too long and it was just, it was just bad. Sometimes he did it too short and it just wasn't, wasn't enough. So. The land mirrors. Fuzzy dice. Fuzzy dice, yeah. Why can't he say mirror? Mirror. Yeah, that's definitely one of my notes here coming up. So, starts with a really cool guitar loop. (laughs) 
yours? It's like something you'd hear on GarageBand. It's like actually a GarageBand <laughs> loop. Yeah. Okay. Yep. No, not not. In a, I don't mean to detract from it. It's a good loop, but it's, it's a great absolutely loop. Yeah, yeah. like you'd go to the country guitar section, and it would yeah. be like yeah, yeah. Yep. country I finger picking one. I've been making a lot of uh, themes for our song using GarageBand loops, so you know, uh, yeah. The lyrics are syncopated and wrapped up in the silky bass line. The land of race car yayas. The land where you can't change lanes. And I think, just indulging my metaphor here a little bit longer, I think Mike McRae or John McRae sat there and went, right, Victor, sit down. I'm going to elongate the fuzzy dice and I want you to replicate that on the bass and that's why we get that awesome slide up. Listen to it again. You can only, I can only hear fuzzy dice on the bass. The land of race car yayas. The land where you can't change lanes. Fuzz. <laughs> okay. Uh, the chorus once again bursts open, but another electric guitar riff is introduced in the second cycle. The land where you can't change lanes. The third cycle introduces the trumpets. The land of race car yayas. Yayas. I love the yayas. Yaya. Yeah, yeah. Mirrors. That's that's yeah, all yeah, I've got. Mirrors. That's fair. I, I think I think that's Probably a lot more comprehensive than that needed to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Shall we just end it rather than the ending and just put in some primers? <laughs> yeah, that's just, yeah, fuck, yeah. We're just putting, like, um, putting some Tommy the Cat. Yeah. The land of race car, yeah, yeah. The land of race car, yeah, yeah. Race car, yeah, yeah. Right, the next song has already featured on an episode of Sound Purchase. So go and listen to that one. Bye. Yeah. All right, uh, next song. I Will Survive was featured in episode nine, the top 10 covers. Spoiler alert. It came third. It's a cover of Gloria Gaynor's 1978 hit. Brilliant disco. Disco without the falsetto. It's, it works. I don't know if it does. It does. I think it lacks something, and that something is falsetto. <laughs> and a long fade. <laughs> and a long fade. Yeah. Did it not have a long fade? It I don't know. had a long I fade. Didn't I didn't think... that far. So, Gaynor apparently did not like this rendition, Cake's rendition of this song, mainly because of its use of profanity. I was literally just about to say, fuck off, Gaynor. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, ridiculous. It's... Yeah. Genius.com states, in the radio edit of this song, everything after, again, an elongated is censored with a record scratch. And in the music video, it's sung whilst singer John McRae is playing a parking control officer and he rips the parking ticket 
right as he says the f- so it's, they use that sound. Yeah. Nice. Nice. The song starts with, again, the recognisable cake guitar sound. What is interesting is there are two panned guitars, one left, one right, playing slightly different things. I've never noticed this before. Never noticed that, but there it is. The verse comes in and the bass is just going crazy. Victor's hopped up on amphetamines and the drums are just simmering away, doing their cool, jazzy kind of thing. And the vocals are delivered in such a casual, deadpan way. They're quite intoxicating, actually. At first I was afraid, I was petrified, I kept thinking... It always reminds me, actually, of Hotel California because of the bass. Because they're following like a... Interesting. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. It always reminds me of that song by a certain band. (laughs) I can't can't get this thing back again. It takes too long. Because the bass is following actually a very similar harmonic progression. So the, the singing, right, is hitting the pitches, but he's singing with such a sense of style, yet he just sounds so bored as well. It's intoxicating. You wouldn't think that some, someone sounding utterly bored in a hit song would be that fascinating, but it kind of is. There's another great electric guitar line in the chorus. Almost kind of felt like they were saying, like in his headphones, he had something, right, you need to play this chord. It's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it, it almost comes in late, doesn't it, in a way? Yeah. So, right, right, uh, C minor. Uh, uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After the chorus, Brown rips a solo, which adds a sense of fluency to the song. Previously, it's been so locked up and tight. Yeah. There's a really nice dramatic, a dynamic shift, sorry, in the latter half of the solo with some great double stopping. Really like that. After the solo, we get a second verse and the texture thins with all guitars dropping out initially. It took all the strength I had just not to fall apart. I'm if you listen to that verse, it's really hard to tell when the guitar actually comes back in. It does a, a weird fade where it's like all of a sudden it's present, but it's not immediately. You, you can't actually hear when it's, when it's first present. Quite cool. Trumpet makes its first appearance in the second chorus. And it's been so long since we've had it. But after the false ending, we finally hear. We end the song with the classic cake device of everybody playing all at once. That's all I have to say about that one. Kept that one intentionally brief. Nice. Well, I say we've, we've discussed it before. Yeah. Do you have anything on that one? My notes just say, listen to the... Um... The covers episode. <laughs> so, all right.
The next song is Stick Shifts and Safety Belts. Following in the theme of cars, the opening line, Jake, really says it all. Stick shifts and safety belts Bucket seats have all got to go when we're driving in the All things in a car that keep people apart. The Chevy Malibu is mentioned later on and it's allegedly one of the final cars that actually had a bench seat rather than bucket seats, so it allowed people to, to snuggle. The narrator is pining for the old ways because, like I say, the bench seat was a allowed people to snuggle. And I'm not sure whether this is a an R-rated kind of snuggling or whether it's it's actually quite PG. Fair enough. I don't I don't Fair know enough. what he's trying to imply, if that makes sense. Given that it's John McRae, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards it's actually R eighteen. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Although one of my few notes, I, I don't have a lot of songs for this. In fact, I'll, I've got three, so I'll read them out to you. Right. Good rockabilly romp. Yep. Nice. Nice. I've learned today that a lot of good cars are apparently Japanese. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. In fact, I've got it here. Can I play it? Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right. Well, a lot of good cars. Great line. Some yep. great, great guitar playing under it as well, yeah. especially at the end there. My third point, man, this guy's an idiot. To me, he, he's wanting to kind of be all like, oh, I want to snuggle up to his stuff, stuff. Proves to me that he doesn't actually care for this person because he's willing to forego basic safety, road <laughs> safety things. If they were in an accident and then she went flying out the car and, and died, it happens regularly. That's why you wear a seatbelt. That's why yeah, you, you don't still have, have a the seat bench belt seats. On, a, on a bench seat. He's saying to get rid of the seatbelts. He, okay, he's, he's, he's referring to the shoulder strap ones. I don't want you to be far away from me. I want you to be cuddling up to me. Yeah. No, idiot, idiot. <laughs> Wear your fucking seatbelt. Twat. Calm down, Alan. Yeah, I always have a thing I say about Lexus. It's like the, uh, the Japanese, <laughs> the Japanese Mercedes. Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> The Japanese Mercedes. Okay. I've seen people calling She'll Come Back to Me the definitive country song on the record, and I actually raised this song. I guess it's more of a rockabilly, but it's definitely got that kind of country vibe to it. Mm. You've got the chicken-picking guitar, you've got the hop and skip and beat, and you've got Jake's favourite doom-doom-doom-doom bass line going. Best bass line in the world. I had my way, every bass line would be that bass line. <laughs> <laughs> or a variation of it. Yeah, I, I guess it, it does turn more rockability in the verse, which apparently I'm supposed to have a clip for, but I don't. Oh. So that's okay. Some really cool panning on the vocals in the chorus. McRae's melody is in the right, and harmony is in the left. And of course, there's the charming line in the bridge of a lot of good cars are Japanese. It's a charming little song, really, isn't it? It's almost on the verge of 90s novelty that we've previously mentioned. Mm, Doubling down on the 90s novelty. Yeah, more or less. Oh, well, is it novelty? Yeah, I suppose it is quite novelty. Yeah. All right, we'll round that one out. I need you to be here with me, not wait over. 
Okay, the next song is perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Cover of the 1947 song, excuse my pronunciation, but Quizás, Quizás, Quizás by Cuban singer Osvaldo Fares. Or as it's known in English, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. It was also covered in 1948, a year later, by Desianes, after being translated into English. How am I ever to know? It's also been covered by Bing Crosby, Nat King Cole, Benny King, and the maestro, Paco de Lucha. Jake's boy. It's widely believed that the band are doing a rendition of Doris Day's 1964 version, and you can hear, I think it's her version that has the definitive intro that the band use especially. You won't admit you love me And so, how am I ever to know you always tell me perhaps 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 the song sees the narrator being strung along and teased by his partner who refuses to admit that they love him slathered in attitude this rendition you won't admit you love all about that cheeky bongo roll. The verse is so moody and downtrodden. There's a slightly pumping bass, a sloppily yet tight snare drum pattern, and the low register of McRae's voice. Won't admit you love me, and so how am I ever to know? In the second A section, the guitar opens everything up with rung out arpeggios. The trumpet brings that sense of mariachi. Remember the Tex Mex? Ask you, and then I ask you over. The B section lifts the tension and allows us to relax for just a little bit. You can't make your mind up. After the final A section in the cycle, the trumpet takes a solo and Di Fiore takes it to the town. A really interesting development on the original melody and again, Mariachi. I've got a fever. <laughs> and the only prescription is more Vibraslap. Oh, yes. <laughs> the hook for me in this song is the dynamic change between the B and the final A section. I love the way it goes from raucous to subdued with the flick of a switch. Brokenhearted, brokenhearted. So if you really love me, 
that's really tight grooving from a band. Mm-hmm. And again, the ending is just tight, and I love the elongated perhaps fantastic diction from the singer. Super stuff. Anything from you? No, not really. The only other thing I've got on here is it reminds very uh, just that beginning kind of the stabs at the beginning. Very Captain Scarlet. Oh. Captain uh, Scarlet. <laughs> I don't know. As soon as, I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, Captain Scarlet. It's not the same at all. It just puts it in my head. Oh. Other than that, no. And yeah, I didn't actually write any notes for this one. So that'll be why. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a really awesome Scar band from Auckland, New Zealand called The Managers that do a really good Captain Scar. Captain Scarlet, but they they misspell it as SKA, a scarred version of Captain Scarlet. Captain Scarlet. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. And please don't tell me. Perhaps, 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 Okay, we're rocketing through, Jake. Wunderbar. (laughs) It's Coming Down is the next song. Another breakup song with the narrator being unable to commit and remains serious about the relationship. I've always wanted to cover this song, especially when I ran the Scar Band with a horn section. I thought that would be brilliant. But I chuckle at the line, she's mad and she'll take her mattress with her. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those, you know, it's <laughs> raining, it's pouring situation. It's almost like a Flight of the Concords sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, she's going. Oh, she's taking the mattress. <laughs> oh. Oh. Is she worth keeping around just because of the mattress, you know? Obviously, when you break it down like that, it becomes less funny and more kind of like, oh, I don't know about that. But hypothetically, it's quite if, funny. If- yeah. If if me and Chloe were to, to ever get divorced, would I be upset if she took the mattress? And I think I would be. <laughs> I think I would be. She's going to hear that. You're going to come home. She's going to be watching. I'm not the Blues saying Brothers. I'd be more. I'm not <laughs> saying I'm more upset about her taking the mattress. I'm just saying I'd be upset if she took the mattress. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So not more upset, but you know, maybe equal level. <laughs> I'd be pretty upset if she took the mattress. Worse if she took the mattress but left the frame. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'd rather she took the bed frame and left the mattress. <laughs> okay. The intro features a dual guitar riff, the acoustic in the left and the electric in the right panned. The band enter on some hits and the groove settles. The verse has a ton of. Perhaps we have this all wrong, Jake. Perhaps we've gotten it all wrong from the start. I think McRae's choo choo moment is actually with the vibra slap. The panning on the vibra slap uh... is amazing. <laughs> let's let's just just hear that in the. Oh, it's going to be in the verse. So they have the right measure of tension and release. In this verse as well. It's coming down. 
took him 12 hours to dial in that ping pong. What a fool. We could have just bought a uh, stereo delay with a ping pong setting. What a yeah. fool. They're back to doing those out-of-time BVs. There's got to be a better way of saying that, but I really like the way that McRae will sing one rhythm and then the backing singers sing this whole other rhythm. Is that not just a polyrhythm? Yeah, that that wasn't a great example. It's actually just never mind with that one. I don't I don't have a lot of notes for this, but um, something that I kind of kept cropping up. It's very Beatles esque. A lot of it in this one. Yeah, it's okay. a very well crafted oh, song. That. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why I like it so much, particularly with the harmonies and stuff. Yeah, very Beatles esque. Well, here's the question then: who's who's the Beatle that's singing it? Well, it's not Ringo. I've just discovered about uh, I've, we may have, we may have talked about them before, but I've just been listening to a lot of Ringo Death Star recently. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard of Ringo Death Star. First of all, whoever thought of that name, <laughs> well done, well done. You can have a vibra slap for the for the yeah. effort there. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's very shoegazy. Okay. I was a little bit disappointed. I was hoping for something a bit more out there with Ringo Death Star, but yeah. it's not bad. It's it's not bad. Okay. All right. I'll have to check that one out. <laughs> Ringo Death Star. I would say this is a... Oh, who'd be doing the backing? Well, whoever's not doing the lead would be doing the backing. Well, I think it was going to be John then. Actually, on the subject of the Beatles, have you ever heard George Harrison's second solo album? It's two songs... It goes on for about 50 minutes. It's called Electronic Sound. Two songs, it's 43 minutes long. Now, this is going to be a very short thing. It is not a sound purchase. I don't recommend <laughs> buying it. But I do recommend listening to it on Spotify. Because okay. it's just awful. Yeah, give it a listen. Electronic Sound, George Harrison. One 18-minute song, one 25-minute song. Oh, so... I think the I think the vibra slap. I think that was his his choo choo moment. I don't actually know where the chorus is on this song, but I would assume no. that it's where the introduction meets the verse. It's coming down. It's coming down. It's coming down. The bridge has a cool layered guitar and trumpet alternating between two notes together, whilst a second trumpet plays a fresh melody. After the bridge, there is some cool vocal layering going on, ultimately forming a harmony. It's coming down. It's coming down. And the song bookends with the same introduction being used as the outro too. Did you have any other notes? Not really, not really. I'll be honest, my my notes get a bit sparse towards this end of the album. So do mine. We'll round this one out. It's perfect. It's just perfect. <laughs> okay. 
The next song is Nugget. And surprise, surprise, I have thoughts on this. If you're a student listening to this, you should skip forward because the language is not great. Fair <laughs> warning in three, two, one. So. It's funny you say that because I, I've got like one big note for this one and it's the vibes I get from this is just educational rap song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Obviously not not the lyrical content, yeah, but the yeah. actual music itself and the flow of the lyrics and everything. Yeah, educational okay. rap through like peak 90s edgy rap. <laughs> okay. I like that. It's just funny to me that you've put a thing to students saying, oh, no, no, don't listen to this one. It's got the bad words. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't want to be the guy that's... don't want to be that teacher that's introducing them to such foul language, you know. I didn't actually know that this was on the record for many years because there was a manual glitching skip, should we say, in the CD. Namely, I think my dad was skipping the song to save my <laughs> prepubescent ears from the profanity. More brilliant use of McDonald's as a metaphor for corporate America. Do like that. And you may feel that the lyrics are lazy because there's a lot of repetition in the verse, not to mention the chorus. But I feel this is intentional because McRae wants us to stew on the lyrics and their meaning. Genius.com reckon bureaucrats, I should do a voice here, bureaucrats do things behind our backs all of the time. Tell us. We can't complain about it. The singer is enforcing that and telling us to simply shut up. Shut shut the flip up is what I'm that's my parent friendly way I'm saying it. So the intro features a bass and guitar figure that is appropriately rounded out with our favorite After a second repeat, they settle into a really nice groove. This is the edgy, edgy rap. All right. I do support your edgy rap claims. <laughs> That's perfect. The verse is almost a, oh, there you go. The verse is almost a diss rap against corrupt governments. <laughs> it's an educational diss rap. Exactly. He's got such great intent on those vocals. He's really pushing it. I like it. The chorus features choice language. Again, kids, fair warning. But there's also a really cool guitar line and a muted trumpet. I really like that. It's quite infectious, this song. And it sounds like they're just having a whale of a time playing it. Really like that. Uh, there's a re- there's a return to one of our favourites. We get more hyas. The chorus of guitar and vocals, it sounds like they've changed key as well at some point. Lots of burning planets. Shut the fuck! All right. Okay. I don't... Sounds like they changed key. Mm. And then 
the ending is the verse riff with an added kind of descending piano ostinato. That's all I have to say about that one, Jake. Nice. Nice. So the challenge is to get your school kids to write an educational rap to go over the music, right? And accidentally leave the chorus in. (laughs) (laughs) Educational rap, yeah. Positive mental health whilst being on lockdown. There you go. They can rap about that. I like it. Okay, the next song is She'll Come Back to Me. I've only got a couple of notes on this one. This is probably my least favourite out of them all. It's not that it's bad, it's just fine. Possibly a song about infidelity and self-assurance. Probably one of the more obvious country-sounding songs. Perhaps that's due to the pedal steel playing of guest Greg Vincent. I'd argue that he almost overplays, but as he only plays on the one track, I can kind of forgive him. That's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, They probably had to pay him so much money, you know, like, we're going to get your money's worth out of you. (laughs) Play more. Yeah. Play more. I I reckon they just vibra-slapped him until he agreed to play. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't hit him with it. They just locked him in a room with the sound. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't it be better, though, if if every time you hear the vibra-slap, that's him getting slapped? (laughs) There's a very soft... Ah, in the background. (laughs) That got a bit dark there. Uh, The bridge has some more musical imitation between the pedal steel and the organ. And then there just, there isn't that much else to say. It's perfectly nice, but there isn't anything overly fancy. No, no. Yeah. You pretty much on the same opinion? A, yeah, pretty much. It's it's fine. Yeah. All you right. can't see me, people, but I'm just, I'm doing the, the Alan shrug. <laughs> the Alan shrug with a slight shake of the head. The next song is Italian Leather Sofa. A comment on materialism and hedonism. The opening lines could be taken to mean she has no problem emotionally isolating him, an island, just as long as he's providing the money or the ship. Again, some of these views might seem a bit outdated, but those were the times a little bit. 25 years ago. I don't know why I just played the intro. I didn't need to play the intro. I hadn't set up the intro to be played. I'm heading into autopilot. We're on, we're on the last but That was two. the intro. Okay, so that was the intro. <laughs> <laughs> the intro, once again, features that classic guitar tone. There you go. The guitar is met with an electric guitar and a buzz roll on the snare. The band begin to groove. They use a very cool vocal trick here, Jake, where two singers sing in harmony for most of the verse. She doesn't care 
They get to the chorus or the refrain, the second voice drops out, which draws the listener in a little bit. The bridge features a high trumpet, cake guitar, and a loosely strummed electric. It's an interesting bridge, this one. They move quickly into a heavy-handed groove and a trumpet solo, which is just as quickly as it starts, fades straight back down. After the long build-up, they go back to the strum guitar and introduce a new set of lyrics. And their way back out of the bridge is a crisscross of guitar tweedles and the groove is re-established by the call of McRae. In the freezer I really like that little gap in the vocals. That's so infectious. Yeah, for sure. Not a whole lot to add. I mean, this is probably the most 90s (laughs) alt-rock one on the album. I can see... um, I didn't actually put this down as my my cover, so I'm going to keep it in. Jane's Addiction doing this or something like that and doing like absolutely smashing it. Yeah. Uh, You know? Yeah. Oh, I should have put that as my cover. I might put that as my cover because I I think that that that's you've come I heard up with a it, couple I heard already. That yeah, like, yeah. That such a James Addiction bassline yeah. and guitar part, you know. But yeah, other than that, not not a whole lot to add. All right. Got a silk dress and healthy breasts that bounce on his Italian leather sofa. Okay. Here we are at the final song. Sad Songs and Waltzes is a cover of the 1973 Willie Nelson song. I'm writing a song all about you. A true song as real as my tears. This this song really got me into a bit of a Willie Nelson phase. I'm not sure if you remember that. I remember. I do remember you being big on Willie. Yeah, I've always been big on Willie. Hey. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, okay. good times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do remember you being uh, in your Willie Nelson phase. Yes. Yeah. Just softly sobbing in my room, listening to what's the one the beat? Uh, not the Beach Boys. The Pet Shop Boys did. Always on my mind. Oh, mm. oh, heartbreaking. Who hurt you, Willie? Who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this has the country somberness 
that is simultaneously somehow hopeful and sad, this song. It's weird. It's like only country songs manage to do that where it's, it's like melancholic. It's both happy and sad at the same time. Mm. The intro always makes me think of military bands, probably because of the trumpet. Kind of last posty. That's Kakariko Village. What? From Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. That's the music for Kakariko Village. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, I've just I've just noticed that's that's what it is. Yeah. It's another breakup song, but the lyrics are kind of cool how they twist and turn. I'm writing a song all about you. The chorus has those classic cowboy harmonies. It's a good thing that I'm not a star. There's a brilliant trumpet and guitar break after the second chorus. Think the way that he kind of slurs that trumpet solo, it sounds like he's drunk, but it's actually kind of well, it's, mm. it's perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's intentional, and I'm sure yeah. he was fine and he wasn't beating anybody with a vibra slap, but yeah, <laughs> but we can't say that he wasn't. We can there's no proof that he wasn't. That's right, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Those are all the notes I have for that one. Um, I I don't think I actually made any notes for this one. I have ever sent you a link to the Kakariko Village theme tune, so you can... uh, Yeah, I'll pause it. Oh, my God, it's 10 hours long, Jake. Yeah, yeah, it's a 10-hour version of it, but... Okay. (laughs) You only need to Yeah, you say that so casually. Okay. Right, well, then let's finish the song, and then we can go into the final questions. And here we are. The final questions. Jake, Mm. what's your favourite track of Fashion Nugget? It's obviously going to be Race Car Yaya's. That's uh, (laughs) (laughs) perfect. Yeah. He he spent, you know, (laughs) easily a week working on that simile. And it's just brilliant. I love it. The land where large, fuzzy dice still hang proudly like testicles from rearview mirrors. <laughs> mirrors. Okay. Yeah. I For me, I've, I'm so attached to this album that it's almost like a it's a day-by-day thing. Some days it's sad songs and waltzes. Some days it's Italian leather sofa. Friend is a four-letter word's probably always been one of my real favourites. And just to spite you, I think I'll choose that one. <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So you've already given us a couple of really good covers. Yeah. I think I think I'm gonna to have to stick with the Jane's Addiction one actually. Jane's Addiction, the Beatles doing its coming down. That was a really good one. That was 
Yeah. I, I think the Jane's Addiction one, though, I've, I, that's what I'd like to hear. Okay. Because it's one that I can actually see happening. Oh, and Primus doing... Primus doing Race Car Yaya's. I can't pick Race Car Yaya's as my cover and my favourite song. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard way too many poor renditions of people trying to do The Distance. So I'm, yeah, I'm not can... picking that. I've always wanted to do a cover of It's Coming Down, so I'm really quite quite thrilled by the Beatles doing a cover of that. I think that would be brilliant. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one throw one in there. What about the Stray Cats or maybe the Living End, who are basically a Stray Cats covers band, but not really, <laughs> doing a uh, rendition of Stick Shifts and Safety Belts? That could be quite good. Yeah, that'd be very good. Yeah, does. Fashion Nugget feature in your top 10. This is a good one. I just need to have a quick check to see if there's any, if I'd be happy kicking out. What, what's my number 10 at the moment? Uh, Force Field at the moment is my number 10. Whoa, this is where it gets so hard. <laughs> yeah, we've done enough of these now where my, I'm pretty happy with my top 10. Uh, I, I quite like everything that's in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, me too. So I... I'm going to say yes. I'm oh. going to put it into my top 10. I'm going to knock Force Field out. And I'm going to slot it in at number seven. Number seven. So what's what's either side of it? Number six is Matador. Number eight would be Neon Bullroom. Cool. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to put this in at number five. And I can't Ooh. remember what I've got either side of that. I can tell you I'm on here now. Force Field is number four and Wrecking Ball is number six. All right. Cool. Now, I I know I've been a bit petty about Midnight Oil recently. You've been very petty about Midnight Oil recently. I I have been. I'm trying to improve. I recognise and I'm trying to improve. (laughs) (laughs) Except... I thought this was America. Huh? Isn't this America? I'm sorry. I thought this was America. I'm glad you got that one in there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm already on my angry page, although I'm I'm just there as a as a preemptive. Is Fashion Nugget by Cake a sound purchase? I, I like how you've gone to your angry page because you know I've put something in my top ten and said it wasn't a sound <laughs> purchase before. <laughs> well remembered. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. It's a throwback to Scott 2 for those of you who yeah. haven't heard that one, which I still think is a great album, but I couldn't possibly recommend it to people to buy. <laughs> yes, sound purchase. <gasps> yeah, boy! See, Stefan needed this. Cause... <laughs> the last few that oh. Stefan suggested I've poo-pooed. Uh... Yeah. Boy, I hate being right all the time. I'm definitely gonna back you up on that one. I uh, yeah, yeah. I that, oh, damn it! I should have gone with this one. <laughs> and then for our Kiwi fans, this this is for you. Oh my! I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Rugby commentation, you know, rugby commentators. Yeah. Okay, I am Stefan and this was a sound purchase, a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. This episode was significantly scrubbed over by producer Robbie Mortimer. If you would like the same high standard, 
Go to Fiverr, that's F-I-V-E-R-R dot com forward slash R-O-B-B-I underscore M-O-R-T-I-M-E-R. That's Fiverr.com forward slash Robbie underscore Mortimer. He's a legend and he does it so quick. You can show your appreciation for the episode when you like us, review us, share us and subscribe to us. Each engagement makes this effort all the more worthwhile and the best way to grow this podcast is by word of mouth. Support is appreciated. Check the show notes and up-to-date top tens list and other musings at asoundpurchase.com. You can engage with us on social media under the handle soundpurchasepod. You can support us by getting yourself a t-shirt, hoodies, mugs and stickers by going to asoundpurchase.com forward slash shop. Other episodes of A Sound Purchase are available at all of your favourite podcast platforms. And why not subscribe to be a friend of the show, where you will gain access to a hidden corridor of our website that contains exclusive blog posts, the Hall of Top Tens, special Friends of the Show merchandise options, and soon it's even going to have bonus pods. We've already got some up there, more to come. Subscribe now for free no money needed at asoundpurchase.com forward slash f-o-t-s if you've enjoyed the sounds during today's episode visit your local record store to pick up a copy of cake's 1996 release fashion nugget support your local businesses and artists